1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, a holiday weekend of headaches for thousands of travelers. But the CEO of United Airlines wasn't getting stuck on the tarmac.
2: He's the CEO of them, one of the major companies in the country. He's got places he's got to be, things he's got to do.
3: Because he's his customers g- have places to go. I know, doesn't go, matter. People to doesn't see matter. things
2: to do. Yeah, I know they do.
0: The IPO market back in action with the NASDAQ's
4: head of listings, Karen Snow. The markets are receptive. Investors are looking for new issuance. So we're expecting the second half to be pretty decent.
0: Those stories, plus Tesla overdelivered. the SEC caught up in fake AI news, and actors ready to strike. And a conversation with CNBC's Sharon Epperson about aging
5: with chosen family. This ability to be true to yourself is relatively new. These women and men for a long part of their adult lives did not have that opportunity. How one LGBTQ community
0: is taking on the golden years with financial and legal independence. They're family to one another. It's Monday, July 3rd, 2023, and Squawk Pod begins right now.
1: Stand by in three, two, one, cue please.
3: Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live at the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee along with Joe Kernan. Becky and Andrew are off today, celebrating July 4th, hopefully. What an extraordinary first half of the year that we just witnessed. The Dow um, is up 3.8%, particularly the performance of the S&P 500, up 16% in the first half. The Nasdaq booking a 32% gain, its best first half since 1983. Do you remember 83? You're bro- were you a broker then?
2: I was just starting in the business at Merrill Lynch. That was my...
3: Uh, what a great my, start. My I mean, my as your stockbroker, you have the best... That's
2: my... my I had first a, stub year, a stub year in 82. Yeah, it was a great time. Yeah. Started training in October of 81. Went into production March of 82. And then 83 was a, was a pretty good... When I was 20, it was a pretty good... Yeah, <laughs> no, it was a pretty good year, uh, as, yeah. as I recall. We were, um, you know, once we got the hostages out, we cut taxes. The Dow was at 780 when I started and it was all and everybody we went from seven eighty to about twelve hundred, and every analyst in the world said it's not real. Just and like that today. was all yeah, just, just like like today. today
3: with the NASDAQ, right? Yeah,
2: just like today yep. with the which we talked about a lot uh on Friday. People said, Why are you so mean to that? It's like, I'm not mean, but you know, you're in the business to, to with your clients to try to get I, I mean I can be Wrong and stay out of the market for 35% on the Nasdaq. I can do that myself. I don't need someone who,
3: and to pay them, yeah, potentially for the strength
2: of their ideas. Well, my ideas were, uh, but uh, the Dow even on on um, Friday up 285. Do you see the S&P 4450 now? On the S&P, yeah,
3: the we're industry. getting close to a lot of year-end targets at this point. So the key is what happens here in terms of the strategists and their forecast
2: New delivery numbers out from Tesla, the EV maker, reporting an 83% jump uh, in the second quarter. That's a big number. Phil, uh, who joins us now, Phil Lebeau. I, I, before we get to that, I, I just had a comment on the Scott Kirby stuff. Any other <laughs> CEO? Any yeah. other? Any other Phil? Any other CEO? We know why they travel around on private jets because they need to. They need to do things. Yep. Okay, they need to go to small cities. They need to be able to go. They don't. They don't need to wait and. And it's just weird for me. He's the CEO of a major S&P 500, one of the major companies in the country. He's got places he's gotta be, things he's gotta do. I don't see why just cause it's an airline
3: because his he's, customers have places I know to go, matter. people to doesn't see matter. things to do. Yeah, I know
2: they do. But he's, you know, CEOs do have, I'm not saying they're entitled, but they they do. They all fly on private jets. There's a reason that a corporation has a corporate jet, because they can't be at the whims and vicissitudes that the rest of us do have to, to do. So I, I, for him to come out, I wouldn't have apologized. I would have said, look, this is my job. This is what I gotta do. I had a jet. I had to be somewhere. I'm sorry. But there's weather and, and there's things that happen. But... I, the only reason, Phil, if, it was, if it, well, he was a chemical CEO, if he was a oil or take any other industry, and because it's not actually flying itself where the people can't fly, it wouldn't have made any difference. You would you would have even said, of course he flew out of Newark. He had to get out of Newark. You see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying,
1: Joe. Um, the flip side of that is that it comes off as tone deaf at a time when there <laughs> were thousands of people who were stranded, whether you think it's tone deaf or not, that's the way it comes off. Let me tell you something, Joe. I was in Denver last week, and I did. you saw we did live reports from DIA. The number of people who came up to us and were – they just had venom. Venom for United Airlines. It wasn't venom towards any other airline. Venom towards United Airlines. And I realize that Denver is a hub. So you're going to get more United passengers there than really any other airline, though Southwest has a big presence there as well. So the number of people that we heard from who were furious at the airline, at the way that this had been communicated last week, when this comes out that he took a private jet, and you were right, he paid for it. it wasn't like he said, hey, you know, the passengers, you pay for me to fly. He paid for it out of his own pocket. And the way it came off, to some people who I talked to about this was, y- you know what? If everybody else has to wait, why shouldn't you wait as well? That's the way that a lot of people feel. Whether you believe that or not, that's, that at the end of the day is the bottom line. And so he issued the apology because United realizes that for him not to apologize would make it even more tone deaf relative to what
2: happened last week. Imelt used to have a jet following him in case the first jet he had had a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you stay off af- <laughs> right <laughs> Yes, Back of I track. mean CEOs do stuff, like it, and maybe they should. Maybe they, but no, I'm right about. It. I mean, you can. I, we apologize for everything now, Phil. Everybody's doing things that are wrong. Nobody's, you know, nobody sensitive enough and and virtuous enough in the current world. Um, I'm trying. Joe, Damn, but, but it's different, I'm Joe. He, Joe, I, I, he, he I,
1: runs it. Joe, I know I, we're going to talk about Tesla I, in a second, but let me just okay. end with this. Let me tell yeah. you what people are saying. Whether or not you think it is right or wrong, you or I, our opinions don't really matter. I'm telling no. you what, what I heard uh, no, back I from average people. And right. what I heard back from average people is he's the CEO of this airline. He should be here seeing what we're going through. There is a sense of... And, or there was a sense when I talked to people and I was I was flying back from Denver yesterday and I heard from a few people who were like, why wasn't he waiting with everybody else? If he couldn't get on a flight, he would know the pain that we're that's going because through. he's a CEO of an airline. So any that, other, that's
2: that, it. That's, if he had been, you know, any other take the other I don't know how many sector groups we have. Take any of them and the guy's stuck in Newark and he's got to get somewhere, he'd be on a private plane going where he's got to go. Just because he runs, this happens to be the company he's running is an airline, so he's got to wait with the rest of them, that's just, you know, that's the day, that's the, okay, that's the current environment that we live in, so but, I understand what but, you're saying. But
3: if he is a CEO of a company, he has a fiduciary duty to shareholders. And if it takes one apology, to satisfy customers but the fiduciary In, duty to
2: shareholders is to be where he's got to or, be or, to do so stuff. should he what so if he had a board meeting what if he but had if he's gonna
3: piss off all of his customer base they're gonna get, you know when you fly are you ever
2: are, are airlines ever not gonna make people mad because of the weather and because of the uh, you know the maintenance issues and because of staffing issues and because of People are always, have you sure. ever
3: watched, could you ever but be a ticket But the things you agent? can control are taking a private jet And how it apologizing oh, okay, yeah, to make how, how it
2: looks that you took a private jet. I
3: understand what you're saying, but I can also see the other side.
2: No, I don't. Anyway. I'm on Kirby's side, and I'm not trying to get an upgrade or anything. <laughs> I'm not flying <laughs> soon uh, or anything, but I, I, I think, you know, but... He knuckled under and wimped out, so that's fine. You can apologize. Everybody apologizes. You know what, Phil? I'm sorry for for messing up your—I apologize for messing up your your Tesla story. That's all right, Joe. Would you like me to do Tesla now?
3: Yes, please.
1: If you accept my apology. (laughs)
3: Melissa. Melissa's like, reel him in. Reel him in. All
1: right. Let's go Tesla. The shift from United and— And we'll go to Tesla. Uh, Let's see what the numbers were for the second quarter for deliveries. Well above expectations. The street was expecting 445,000. They delivered just over 466,000 vehicles. There you see the analyst consensus. As always, the Model 3s and the Models 3 and Y make up 95% of the deliveries. What did we hear from analysts after this came out? Almost all of them said the same thing, which is, Really want to see what the average selling price was because we know they had to do cost cuts in order to stoke sales. There's no doubt that it worked because they have now delivered about 888,000, a little over that, almost 889,000 vehicles for the year. You see the shaded part at the top of that bar on the far right far right. That is the consensus for the year of 1.8 million. They're about halfway there. And remember, they are expected to increase production and deliveries in the second half of this year. So almost every analyst note this morning is saying the same thing, which is unless something changes, we think that they're going to hit that 1.8 million target in terms of deliveries. Production, 479,000 vehicles. So they're almost producing 500,000 vehicles per quarter, and that was an increase of 8.8% compared to the second quarter. Year over year, yes, it's a dramatic increase, especially because you've got the gigafactories in Texas and Germany, which have really ramped up production within the last year. Now the question becomes, how much did cutting prices in the second quarter cut into the automotive gross margins? The consensus is for them to come in at 19.5% when they report on July 19th. We'll see if they come in there or if they're a little bit lower because there is no doubt they had to cut prices. They did cut prices, especially in China. And, and we saw it also here in the United States in order to keep the demand moving. Well, it certainly worked in terms of deliveries. Now we'll find out the numbers within the numbers on July 19th. There you take a look at shares of, of Tesla
2: up another 6% again today, guys. Did see him at the... Uh... Yeah, I had to go over to the United counter. Oh, man, they're trying to get me on another flight tomorrow morning. Uh, I might be able to get a seat in the middle in, in row 48. Uh, geez, I'm just being fair. I'm just with everybody else. I hope I can, but but I might get bumped off of that one. I'm, I should be out of here by like the middle of next week, like some other. You're, you're S- not, not th- gonna let this go, are you? <laughs> you are not gonna let this go. I have all my viewers are saying I'm absolutely right about this. I mean, if you don't like CEOs, fine. But CEOs, this is part of what they do. And they're supposed to be good at it. Some of them are, some of them aren't. You know, they, they, if you make, look at the money that, that, that they get paid. Think about it, Phil. But, but it, you're but right. Then I, you, you are right that, uh, that they need to be I places. Saw, and and I, I understand. I just saw a, a great hoops player. I think it was like $190 million for like four years or something. I mean, it's, you know, if you're good at something... There's a market that it, the argument is that there's no real market. There's, a, there's, you know, board members that love, you know, that are sort of at the same country club and stuff like that. But in a in a true market, I mean, I think ScarJo, what's ScarJo making? Just making 20 million a movie. Margot Robbie people make lots. Of, you wondering who ScarJo
3: is? It took me a second for sure. Phil looks. Phil oh, Bo. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Well, Phil what Bo. is this? No, I'm just saying. Yes, Philbo. Yes, I'm going back to my high school nicknames. <laughs>
1: Philbo, yes. Was it?
3: Was it? Oh, that's going to stick. Was it Philbo? No. No, there, oh, there were
1: some. Yeah. Yeah, there, was was it was, it there were some in, some in the neighborhood.
2: There were a that's few in the neighborhood. portmanteau That was the nicer nickname. <laughs> God, that's a good one. Call me Joker. Let's go. We're moving on. We do. Cheese will be next.
0: Coming up, the other stories that got us squawking today, like the IPO market moving once again, and actors poised to strike. Talent in and out of Hollywood getting all
3: caught up.
2: Were you SAG or after? after? Yeah. So yeah. are we, oh, I don't are know. you out? Should we go on strike? I'm not crossing the picket line. Me
3: neither. I'm not a scab. No, we got to leave. Squawk Pod
6: will be right back.
0: listening to Squawk Pod.
1: Stand by Joe in three, two, one, is Mike Q.
2: Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan along with uh, Melissa Lee, the only two people that didn't realize a Tuesday, July 4th would have made a really good opportunity to take the Monday off to have a four day weekend.
3: I could have had off. But they asked me to do this show, and you said I heard it was with you, and I said absolutely, you said absolutely, I will work.
2: Here's what I like: I like the idea that we come in and do this, and then we we have tomorrow off. So this is like sort of an, an extension of the weekend, which which was sort of disrupted then, by three then, hours. But then back to the barbecue, and then you can take a full day off, and then three, only three days left after that. Only three sure. days left, so I I'm okay. And the markets are going to close early today. Uh, ahead of the 4th of, uh, of July holiday. We're shopping for some uh, CBD gummies or something for, for the, the dogs. Uh, it is rough. Um, couldn't find one of them today. Pushed through a gate and made it into the basement just because of the fireworks and the storm uh, last night. It was oh. already huddled down, uh, petrified. So I, I think maybe, don't CBD gummies work? Or CD, I think that might work to calm down.
3: I have no idea.
2: You don't have dogs.
3: I don't have dogs. I have no experience with CBD. Okay.
2: I think that CBDs might work. People probably uh, let me know.
3: Over the weekend, a fake news story circulated online that SEC Chair Gary Gensler was resigning following an internal investigation. Artificial intelligence director detector service zero GPT found the story scored 96 point eight percent indicating a high degree of AI text generation it's not the first time false rumors of Gensler's resignation have been circulated a similar incident happened back on April 20th you said it was obvious because you uh, read the article
2: yeah I, I looked I saw it was trending but then I looked at the Twitter names of how it was trending, it's mm-hmm. all the usual suspects. There's certain cryptos where people are really... <laughs> They're
3: like pushing the narrative that he's oh, gone. Man.
2: Yeah, but there's certain specific, uh, not, bit, some of it's Bitcoin, people are mad about the the spot ET, you know. Right, right, right. And But then there's some other ones where, I, they bombard all of us, but with people, stuff. most
3: people don't don't do that. Most people just see the headline and they think
2: maybe yeah. You know that that I looked true. up to see, and it, it, he did resign from the CFTC. So that story was coming up a couple of years ago when right. he was at the CFTC. So that story came up, but um, yeah, it, it, I just figured out that it it was really trend, a lot of got a lot of comments. But imagine if this trendy. had
3: been a the, you know the CEO of a company, right, or some other bit of information that like could have been stock if, moving.
2: God forbid he had taken like a private jet.
3: Or do you remember the story that got tweeted, the photo that got tweeted about the Pentagon? That there's a massive yeah. fire, and but you looked at the photo no, and it was clearly it. that it was AI-generated. Yeah. But it caused the gyration, it caused the S&P 500 to move. After your stagnation in the IPO market, there has been a significant turnaround in recent months with Nasdaq's announcement of impressive IPO numbers and more companies registering with regulators to go public. In the first half of 2023, it welcomed 60 IPOs, raising a total of $3.7 billion. Joining us now is Karen Snow, Nasdaq Global Head of Listings. Karen, great to have you with us. Thank you so much. This has got to be a surprise to you, given last year. And the prognostications of just a quiet equity market in general all these concerns about a recession et cetera. yeah well a lot has to do with what the
4: fed is signaling to the marketplace and as you know markets tend to trade ahead of that um there's been a lot of fantastic companies uh willing and able to access the markets uh, their businesses aren't so recessionary uh, prone so uh, these companies that are coming out now are trading
3: you know extremely well so it sounds like there is a little bit of a rush to get out of the gates before things got rough in the second half of the year is that sort of the thinking
4: no i wouldn't say that i would say that um, we have seen more and more companies access the markets the follow-on markets have been incredible there's been 420 deals that have come to market raising 50 billion uh, at nasdaq we've actually had 62 deals come on the ipo front uh, raising $4 billion. So there's been a steady pace here. Uh, we've got an 85% win rate, and we've had two of the top three uh, largest IPOs come to market. Next Tracker, which was a spin-out from Flex, NASDAQ listed, uh, that's traded up about 66% since it came to market. They've also done a follow-on. We had Acceleron. Uh, that's traded up about 16% since it came to market. These are large IPOs that the markets have been really excited about. Uh, We also had the spin out of GE Healthcare. And while that wasn't a traditional IPO, they've had the largest uh, follow on year to date. So the markets are receptive. Uh, Investors are looking for uh, new issuance. Uh, So we're expecting the second half to be pretty decent
2: you can't have a full-fledged full-blown ai fervor boom without ipos it's impossible and you know that's coming yep. so it just yep. seems like there's just no way around it there's going yep. to be an ipo boom in, in ai which will be an ipo there boom. there
4: absolutely will be and yep. it's coming yep so, there will be and those actually might be the situations where those companies might not be profitable yet um So everybody that we've seen come to market to date has really been profitable. Oh,
2: yeah. Let's get yeah. to the non-profitable ones <laughs> that go up four times yeah. in value. on yeah. The, uh, yeah, that that's, you know, that's coming. The IPO market's it's uh, three steps forward, two steps back. You throw in COVID, that, that threw everything off. But if it goes—it's onward and upward to new to new highs, don't you think? I mean, it's just the well, way we work. Yeah, it's the, the way Nasdaq, the, this,
4: as you've cited, is up 32 percent year to date, which is the largest move it's had since 48. 19. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So very exciting. The S&P is coming through, uh, and you're starting to see it spread out. I know we've been very focused on the AI stocks, but AI is going to have huge implications for an entire economy, from productivity to go-to-market strategies. It, it's big.
2: I can't imagine, could it be like the internet? Could it be comparable to the internet? And, I
4: think it absolutely will be, and I, and I think it'll hit the, our economy faster. I think the internet bubble and uh, how those, those companies really needed to evolve their business models. We needed to evolve the models around the technology. AI is really fitting into what we're already doing.
2: Even more quickly, some great things. Uh, in terms of healthcare and medicine and everything and and even how you you know uh, how you administer medicine and how you how you track uh, you know outcomes all that stuff.
3: Clinical trials but then I think about uh, the
2: buggy whip you know I think about how many people that do things that AI could do and I worry about I mean we're gonna need to help people figure out other things to do that are going to be displaced by AI don't you think? Never us.
4: Yes, but I think Maybe I us. think of it in a way that it'll enable us to really focus More on things that uh, yeah. are we can really make a difference, right? right. So um, you know, people have been worried about robotics and, and what that would be. Luddites.
2: I mean, we've been worried about you know those were what were those uh, some kind of machines that were displacing people back then. far I mean, has one percent of the labor force it had.
3: Seeing how publicly traded companies react to you know how the stocks react to the mention of AI or or, you know that they're doing something that will generate whatever it is revenues because of AI, are you worried that when these AI IPOs come, we're we're getting poised for a bubble or some sort of you know just things that are too frothy?
4: I'm not really worried about that. I, I do think that investors take an approach where they're really doing their homework on these things and. Uh, there may be some companies that say they do things that aren't necessarily uh, as impactful as um, you know they're suggesting they are, but but hopefully you'll see that pretty quickly. It'll be transparent who the winners and losers will be.
3: Is Nasdaq hoping that uh, a spot Bitcoin ETF gets approved? I would say yes because of the trading volumes and.
4: Um, well, I think we recognize that uh, there's big opportunities around Bitcoin. I, I think th- that it's been fits and starts, um, but that um, it would be a good outcome. OK. Karen, great to speak with you. Thank you for coming
3: in. Yes, thank, thank you so much. Great to, to be IP here. great to be here. Karen Snow.
2: Three labor stories to tell you about. First, thousands of employees, hotel employees in Southern California, walked off the job yesterday ahead of the 4th of July holiday. They're demanding better pay and benefits and less burdensome workloads. The union representing the workers, uh, which include cooks, housekeepers, and dishwashers, said its members can't afford to live in Los Angeles near their work and sometimes have to commute uh, from hours away. The union's demanding an immediate $5 per hour wage increase to keep up With housing costs. Its previous contract expired on Saturday. Law firms representing uh, two hotel groups in the area said they've offered wage increases of half that $2.50 an hour uh, for the next year and $6.25 over four years. And workers at ports along Canada's west coast officially hitting the picket line. The union representing the port workers announced the start of the labor strike this weekend. Both sides Remain divided over issues including automation, uh, the use of contract work, and uh, the cost of living uh, for workers. And, oh, Melissa.
3: Actors in Hollywood producers. God help us.
2: Oh, I, the <laughs> actors strike. Oh, no.
3: But they didn't. Not yet, at least. They've agreed to extend contract negotiations, avoiding a possible strike for now. The contract had been set to expire over the weekend. The new deadline is July 12th at 11.59 p.m. The actors' union is calling for increased base pay, protection from artificial intelligence, and better benefit plans. The parties will negotiate under a media blackout agreed on by both sides.
2: Hmm. I might have to. I'm in one of those things. Are you? SAG? One of them. What's the other one? After? movie royalties, right? After a safe, I was on one thing, uh, Glen closest. Uh, really, yeah,
3: Fatal Attraction.
2: Yeah, that was me. No, it was her TV show. Name that damages. damages, damages. You on
3: damages? I love damages.
2: I still get like three dollars, like every I six get, months. I
3: get like a 50 cents from Wall Street Never Sleeps.
2: From Wall Street, <laughs> 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 but did you were you sag or after? Yeah,
3: yeah. I it was something. Yeah. So, are we? Oh, I don't Are know. you know. Should we go on strike?
2: I'm not crossing a picket line. Me
3: neither. I'm not a scab. No, we gotta leave. All right, coming up. <laughs> up
0: next on Squawk Pod, we're diving into aging plans. What you need for security and dignity as you age, and the unique challenges of the LGBTQ community
5: in their golden years. CNBC's personal finance correspondent Sharon Epperson. For this generation in their 60s or 70s, they've been closeted a long time, many, and trying to come out now, perhaps in a crisis situation when they're needing care, is extremely difficult. We'll be right back.
7: From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve. With the help of T-Mobile for Business, our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now.
0: Welcome back to Squawk Pod. In this next story, we're talking about aging. But we're CNBC, so this is less wrinkle creams and more financial independence and stability. Now, America's population is aging. The 65 and over group grew from 2010 to 2020 at its fastest rate since the late 1800s. That's according to the U.S. Census Bureau. More and more Americans are thinking about retirement and elder health care. So I spoke with CNBC's resident personal finance expert.
5: My name is Sharon Epperson, and I'm CNBC's senior personal finance correspondent.
0: Sharon sat down with me at CNBC's HQ in New Jersey, where she explained the concept of an aging
5: plan. A lot of people think about how much money they need to retire and then they get into retirement and they don't think about how they're going to use that money. They don't really know what's going to happen in between that time from when they may retire from a job or career to when they may be in a crisis that they need some significant caregiving. Mm -hmm. So it's during that time that experts say it's important to have a plan for how you're going to age and take that into consideration where you want to live who's going to be your support system, and what different types of care options are out there before you're in a crisis.
0: An aging plan is all the more important in the LGBTQ community, where adults are twice as likely to be single and four times less likely to have children than their straight peers. They may also be estranged from their biological families, meaning they might not have a built-in support system as they age. That makes medical and legal decisions much more difficult, and the epidemic of loneliness all the more daunting. But correspondent Sharon Epperson found a group in North Carolina that's addressing all these needs for the aging queer community. It's called Village Hearth
4: going to get in that sound for about 10-15 seconds so everybody just hold-
0: this is Sharon at our office in New Jersey with me recounting her reporting
5: I went to a place a co-housing community in Durham North Carolina that is probably one of the only if not the only co-housing community in the country for people who are 55 and older who are LGBTQ plus oh. or allies and friends of the community in these just 28 homes in this neighborhood there are about 30 people mostly women um, they came there with the idea that they wanted to be in a place where there was community, where there was support. It is not a health care facility, it is not a senior living facility per se, um, with that type of health care facility with it, but it is a place where people have bought into the idea that you're going to love your neighbor. You may not love them all the time, <laughs> but you're going to be there for them. And. In that, they also have weekly workshops on various issues, but they talk about things that a lot of people just don't talk about like we're doing right now. What is it gonna look like when you get older? What is it gonna look like in terms of if something happens to you, who's going to take care of your finances? Who's going to be your financial power of attorney? Who would be the person, if you're not able to, to take care of your health care decisions? Who would be your health care proxy or health power of attorney? What type of life-saving or not measures do you want to have taken um, if you're in one of those emergency situations? So what is the advanced directive that gives people the idea of what you want for your medical decisions? And all of these are legal documents that you need to complete to make sure that the person that you want to is the one who's carrying out your wishes Mm -hmm. so if you don't have a partner you're not legally married or you're not you've not come out to the world about who you are and who you want in your life and you don't have it documented unfortunately there still is discrimination in this country there still is the hesitancy for people to allow that person that you've chosen to make those wishes for you unless it's documented. So having those um, estate planning documents is really, really important. Um, And also even having visitation rights forms for hospital visitations and things like that. Something about this that
6: struck me is what feels unique about a currently aging population in the LGBTQ community. Because right now, Things are different than they were a decade ago. The parenting opportunities for folks in LGBTQ plus have really expanded. Marriage is legal in all 50 states. Is this something that's only going to happen for right now? And will future generations not need this kind of support? Or will this be something that everyone needs going forward? It's,
5: it's so interesting that you say that. So we're talking about people that even though it's 55 plus, most of the residents are in their 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. Many of them did not come out until they're in their 40s or later. Mm-hmm. And so this for this generation in their 60s or 70s, they've been closeted a long time, many. and trying to come out now perhaps in a crisis situation when they're needing care is extremely difficult Mm. so yes the hope is that and my belief is that by the time someone in their 30s 20s 30s becomes this age we won't have we won't be having these discussions but still there will need to be documentation in place and 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 legal means to make sure that your wishes are upheld but yes communities like this may be rare um, but in fact they may become more common as people try to find places where they felt feel seen heard and appreciated I wonder what the likelihood of this kind
6: of community? being established for younger folks in the LGBTQ plus community. Because I think of in New York, the Audrey Lorde Project is a perfect place for trans youth, queer youth to commune, to talk about their career, their financial planning, and to consider a future um, when at home maybe that's not possible. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if with more conversation about queer folks and more open conversation with queer folks about what they want from their lives, whether people will be seeking this kind of community earlier in life.
5: Yeah, I think I think they already are. And I think, as you mentioned, it's there for them. I mean, what's, what's interesting about Village Hearth um, is in Durham, North Carolina, is that these are people that have come from all over the country to find community mm. here and some have lived in Durham before but some are coming from Maine some are coming from Washington DC they're coming from places where i would think they could find community but if you have not been open about your life in your career, because that's just not something that you did when you were in your 30s and 40s. Now you're in your 70s and you're like, okay, now's my time. Being in Research Triangle and being in an area with so many colleges and universities, I think that also creates an opportunity to have more multi-generational conversations mm-hmm. so, that people, so that younger people realize that this ability to be true to yourself is relatively new. And that these women and men, for a long part of their adult lives, did not have that opportunity, yeah. or did not feel comfortable um, uh, being who they were um, to to the public. It sounds
6: truly like a beautiful community. What is the energy there? What's the vibe of all these folks living freely with each other?
5: I think the vibe is great. The vibe is definitely, you know, we want to be here. We want to be with one another. They were happy to speak with us. They're also, you know, they're family to one another. A couple of the people that I talked to in this story are the actual founders of Village Hearth. Margaret Rush and her partner, Pat McCully created this community because they were living in Florida and they didn't feel like they had a sense of community where they were. We both came out late in life and we said we don't want to have to go back in the closet when we uh, get older which some people have to do for safety reasons or they're not uh, respected in the medical community because uh, of someone's prejudices or whatever. I guess we decided that we wanted to just do it on our own terms. You know, we wanted this to to be created while we still could make decisions on our own. So many people end up somewhere because they've had a medical crisis that had changed their world. And we said, we don't, you know, we don't wanna wait till after the stroke. <laughs> At 68, 67, the two of them decided they wanted to do this. Um, and then they now have a community of about 30 some residents there. Another person that I spoke to, uh, Barbara Chase, who's in her early 70s, came from Washington DC and, and New York by birth and you know major cities where you think you didn't find a sense of community. But this sounded particularly attractive to her, she mm-hmm. said, to be somewhere where she could be proud all of the time of where she was, who she was, and who she was living with. I wanted to live my retirement in a way that was open, honest, and authentic. And I
3: wanted to live most of all with dignity. And it's nice to feel that you're someplace where, at the drop of a hat, you will have five, six
5: neighbors at your door saying, can I help? And you feel the same way. It was really quite uplifting to find this community
0: beautiful thank you so much thank you that's squawk pod for today this july 4th eve squawk box is hosted by joe kernan becky quick and andrew ross sorkin thanks to melissa lee for sitting in you can tune into our tv show weekdays on cnbc at 6 a.m eastern and get the best of that three-hour morning show when you follow squawk pod wherever you get your podcasts We're off tomorrow for the holiday, so we'll meet you right back here on Wednesday. Happy July 4th.
1: We are clear. Thanks, guys.
7: From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive...